we are taught from the beginning not to deviate from you know off-label uses on supplies on equipment on procedures on treatments and and they're right you know we cannot deviate from that but that is not to say that we cannot innovate in areas that we do see a healthcare gap that needs to be addressed Hello, everyone. I'm Angela Rosa DiDonato. And I'm Marion Leary. And you're listening to Amplify Nursing, a Penn Nursing podcast supported by the Panola Fund for Innovation in Nursing. Amplify Nursing features nurses who are leading the way in science, policy, and innovation. Our guests defy stereotypes, define practice, and disrupt convention. We highlight the breadth and depth of nursing influence on society by amplifying nurses who are pushing boundaries and breaking down barriers to build a new paradigm. Today on Amplify Nursing, we talk to Ernesto Ulguin, a clinical nurse, innovator, and entrepreneur. Ernesto creates solutions to everyday clinical problems with his team at Oten Medical. He shares with us the inspiration for his work, the challenges of developing a new product, and his entry into nursing through a very unusual route, the U.S. Army Marching Band. Thank you so much for talking with us today. I am super excited to be speaking with you. Well, thank you, Marianne. Thank you for inviting me. So let's just set the stage a little. Can you give a little background on who you are and the work that you're currently doing right now? Sure. Um, I'm Ernesto Olguin. I'm from El Paso, Texas. I've been a nurse for 25 years, and I'm still currently a dialysis clinical coordinator for two hospitals in El Paso, Texas. And um, I've been innovating since. 2014, but really thinking closely on um, since the beginning of uh, 2004. And right now, my company is at a path where we're going to be bringing on two products to market. We we already have one in existence. It's the IV uh, and ventilator tube holder, which we call the iLines. And the second one is the CPAP hose holder for home use. And that product is going to uh, start beginning or in the middle of next month, February. So that's super exciting. And I definitely want to talk more about that in a little bit, but I want to get a better sense of how you got into nursing and what your path was to becoming a nurse innovator and entrepreneur. So take us back. Like, What was it that led you to nursing? Uh, that's a very interesting um, story because it went from one day to the next on, on that decision. Um, so I, I played the trumpet throughout high school, and I was pretty pretty good at it. I played the in jazz band, mar- marching band, stage band. Uh, received the Louis Armstrong Jazz Award my senior year, and one day a recruiter went to go visit us, and they asked us if we wanted to continue a band in the military, the army band. And that's what I wanted to do. And we, they asked us to go uh, meet with them at the rec- recruiting office. And I did. I took the test. And uh, they called me in for the results. Well, I had scored really high on my, my entry uh, test, ASVAP, that they offered me nursing instead of marching band or, you know, army band. And uh, I, I really didn't want to go 
into nursing, but I had a really good recruiter, uh, uh, Sergeant Kirby, and he set me aside and he goes, you're never going to forget this. You're not going to regret this. I think you need to go into nursing. And after you graduate, you're going to come back and bring me up a dozen roses thanking me. You're not going to regret it. So I thought about it and I'm, I said, okay, let's go into a uh, licensed practical nurse course. So I let go of the army at that, uh, the army band at that point and went into uh, going into the EMT, the combat medic program, and then later on the licensed practical nurse program. And that's where I started my, my nursing career. I had no idea you could be recruited into the army for band. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just nothing that has ever occurred to me. I, th- I find that fascinating. And I love talking with all of our nursing colleagues and the folks that we interview on this podcast and learning about all of their creativity and other extracurriculars that they do that I think really infuse into who they are as nurse innovators and practitioners. And the fact that you play the trumpet, and I've heard you play the trumpet before, I think is really interesting and only adds to your skills as a nurse innovator in the way that you think about problems. And please correct me if I'm wrong on that assumption. No, you're right. Uh, You know, it's it's a different skill set that you have when you play music, when you're creative, artistic way, um, even with language, uh, you use a different part of your brain. Now with nursing, I I really don't know what part of the brain you use, but it's it's more of a cognitive, more, uh, you know, creative thinking, uh, critical thinking. I'm guessing it's around the same path where, you know, those two cross, but artistically, Definitely, I was very, uh, uh, you know, into the band and playing the instrument that it did help in sense where you try different things like, you know, the octaves, the the scales and everything that you play with, uh, with music. So some of them must have passed over when I went into nursing. Yeah. And I mean, that's why I love nursing because you do get to use both sides of your brain, right? You have to be super creative, but there's also that analytical part that's needed as well. So did you ever end up bringing your instructor those 12 roses? I did. I went looking for him, Sergeant Kirby, and to the recruiting center. I went to see if he was there first and he had retired um, maybe a few months after he enlisted me into the army, but I, I will never forget his name and how he guided me into, into nursing. And I'm always very appreciative. And if Sergeant Kirby, if you're listening to this, I'm Ernesto Alguin. You recruited me back in El Paso, Texas in 1993. And I, I want to thank you for that. So it sounds like it was the right decision then. Definitely. It was the right decision. And my persona is such where I I do care about others. I do care about uh, my patients and it just fit in with a, with our nursing, you know, profession, the nursing, what we have to deal on a daily basis. It's very exhausting. You sometimes do get emotionally drained. And sometimes when you get home, you don't continue that nursing 
you know, feeling with your children and, and wife, but I do, I, I still continue with caring for others. So I, I think the nursing profession fits me well. So how long were you in the army and did you, did you then do nursing as an army? Uh, I don't even know the term army officer army. I was enlisted, right. I was a, a NCO. By the time I I left the army, I did three years active and six years active reserves. And I went up to uh, E5 sergeant ranking. So I was able to to lead a a squad of six other nurses. And our mission was to support the hospital, uh, Beaumont Hospital here in El Paso. So we were a evac hospital. And we worked in the ICU setting. So I was in charge of six other nurses in the ICU setting. What was your path after the military? I began uh, my associate's degree at our local uh, community college, and I utilized my GI Bill. And at that point, I was working as an LPN at a nursing home between the breaks, the summer breaks, you know, holiday breaks, trying to earn as much money as I could and then use that money on top of the GI Bill to go to nursing school full time. And my mom helped a great deal with that. She she let me stay at her home rent free. She, you know, fed me, did everything that a mom does. And uh and I'm very grateful for for my mother to doing that. If not, I wouldn't have been able to go into nursing school. And I received my associate's degree. And thereafter, I, I, uh, I continue with my bachelor's, but my daughter was born in 96, Cassandra, and it was near to impossible to go attend in-person uh, schooling. So I ended up going into the online coursing at University of Phoenix. And it took me eight years, but I finally uh, reached my BSN. I love that. I love listening to people's, the different journeys that people take to their degree programs. Eight years to get a BSN, that's, I mean, I think that's incredible. And all the way you're getting amazing life experience, especially in the military. And I think it's really important for people to understand that there's not just one path into nursing, but multiple paths for multiple people. That's correct. It it was um, very difficult, uh, many obstacles, but um, I I knew I needed to, to continue with my education. So at what point did you start thinking about creating solutions to the problems that you were seeing in your practice? When did that begin? It was back in 2004, and I ended up picking up a patient that was regular. Uh, she she would often go to the hospital, and very nice lady, lovely lady with a good family support. And I asked her, what happened? And she responded in Spanish, you know, I have a foot ulcer. And I knew the family. I knew the husband, the kids, they're very supportive. And I asked them, you know, didn't your husband check your feet? Didn't your children check your feet? And she proceeded saying that, you know, husband, diabetic, he can't see himself. He can't feel children busy at work and uh, having their own children. 
you know, it takes up their time. Plus, they did, they weren't there after she would shower. So they weren't there for when she would do her own uh, dressing changes and, and her care. And then I asked her, well, if you didn't know, if you didn't feel, if you didn't see, if, how did you know you had a foot ulcer? And then she said, I smelled it. And at that point, I just, my heart sank. And I, I thought, you know, we need to do something about this. This is um, horrific. You know, how can a person go through two senses before they find out that they have a foot ulcer or before they find out anything's wrong, you know, beyond their reach? So and talk. That, oh, sorry, Ernesto. So talk a little bit about for our listeners who might not understand what it means for a diabetic patient to get a foot ulcer and why that's such a problem. With diabetes, it affects every cell in your body and slowly starts deteriorating. Um, you know the cells that that allow you to see better, so that's why they go into uh, uh, poor vision. Uh, they also extend the the healing process on wounds due to high levels of of sugar levels and in, in your bloodstream that feed into the bacteria and the bacteria just proliferates and it's very difficult to to heal a wound. Now having those two combined, uh, you know, poor vision, uh, poor sensory, also due to diabetes, if they have a little a little scratch, a little rock in their foot and their sock, and they just, it rubs, it breaks the skin, it gets infected. You know, you and I would be like, oh, let's take the rock off. Let, let me put some medicine there. With them, they don't know the little rock is there. So it gets worse. The wound gets worse. And the infection just grows uh, at a very rapid pace than, than if you didn't have diabetes. And that's the problem that we see with our patients is that they get a little cut, they get infected, they physically see their doctor, doctor sees it, sends them to the hospital, they get treated, and then they don't see the doctor for another month, month and a half. And if they don't continue the proper care at home, which usually if you can't see your wound, you're not going to take care of your wound, uh, you know, the next doctor visit the wound gets worse and then they get sent back to the hospital. And that's where I would see them coming back worse and worse all the way until they had, you know, cellulitis, um, they had sepsis, they were going to yeah, have am amputations. And every time the wound got worse, the, the treatment was more intense. Instead of getting uh, antibiotics by mouth and a simple, you know, what to dry dressing or simple dressings, uh, now they're get, get, getting IV antibiotics, and now they're doing wound debridement. So it it's intensifies every time the the progression of the wound, uh, and it's it's uh, something that inevitable with patients that continue coming back to the hospital for those reasons, and it's just a circular rotation where they just come back worse and worse. And so you were seeing this over and over again. What tipped you to think, okay, I, I have to come up with a solution. And how did you then think about what that solution could be? Okay. Well, I, I started doing some um, customer discovery. I, and this is what 
we nurses do. We dig into their their lifestyle, their activities of daily living. What's keeping them from properly looking at their feet? Uh, you know, t- the care that continues away from the hospital, the continuation that has to happen. And I started receiving the same uh, obstacles that people face and commonalities. And then I, I started asking my wound care colleagues, the nurses, okay, you see this happening. Why do you think this is happening? And they would say the same thing. Poor management at home and uh, patients having these uh, disabilities that just make it worse. And then I started asking, well, is there a device that monitors them once they get discharged? And is there a device that takes, you know, images or communicates that information to the physician? And they said, no, there's no such device. And that's where my, I started thinking of, of ideas, daydreaming, how I would build my machine in order to accommodate that problem in our healthcare delivery. And that's where I started uh, looking into my, my first patent. So did you have any background or experience with building products? Like, how did you feel confident that you could take this idea and start to move it forward in that way? I didn't, Marianne, at first, to be honest. It, it, it was an idea that I had. I did know that I needed to patent the idea in order to safeguard my device in order in order to make sure the patients benefit the fullest from it. And that that I did know what to do. But building, prototyping didn't pop into my head at first. Um, not, not until uh, in the summer of 2015, maker nurse from MIT visited my hospital. And they were looking for maker nurses and wanted to speak to whoever was interested. Well, I, being a dialysis nurse, we are always busy in the unit. And at that point, luckily, I had uh, a copy of my pattern with me. And my director knew all the pains and you know frustrations I had gone through with the pattern process. And he called me down and introduced me to the maker nurses. And that's where they encouraged me to prototype to continue on my own and of course there was many obstacles I had no clue in prototyping no clue in computer programming or electronics any of that and I've been a nurse for so many years that that was my comfort zone I never dabbled with with uh, anything other than that but they did help they uh there was a brilliant engineer that taught uh, coding, computer coding. And he helped me to, to, to establish my first uh, uh, interface on, on the computer program. And we utilized Raspberry Pi. Uh, and that's how I started with the prototyping. And they said, just get things that you have, uh, go to Lowe's, pick up stuff, um, and start building. And, and that's what I did. Can you talk a little bit about the patent process for folks who are listening who might not know what that entails? What what processes did you have to go through to get your patent? And how long did it take? Well, the patent was very extensive. And, you know, after drawing 
ideas on paper. Um, from there on, I didn't know where to go. I, I looked, searched locally to see if there was any patent attorneys in El Paso, and I didn't find any. And then I came up with a, came across a commercial uh, invention home mentioning, you know, patenting your idea and, and selling. So I did communicate them and we signed on for a year. And they also had a platform where they would pitch your idea to companies um, and then they would give you uh, feedback. But the thing was that they couldn't tell you who they were pitching to, which I didn't, I didn't like at that, at that point and lasted only one year. So I didn't renew my, my contract with them. But one thing that did come out of that was that I was able to speak with their patent attorneys, uh, their 3D designers, uh, engineers, and we worked towards the patent, my first patent. And that's how I began my patent process with uh, my utility patent with, uh, with a company uh, from New York. Are there resources that you would recommend if there are other nurses out there who have ideas and want to figure out how to either take it to the next level, either with a patent or protect their intellectual property, things like that. that are there resources that you've used that you would recommend? Yes, there's plenty of resources that I later found out that existed. Uh, there's databases throughout the United States that uh, will show you if there's a patent pending or if there's an existing patent uh, closest to what you're thinking of. So you could also do Google patents and do a quick search and it'll save you uh, a huge headache and, and money and investment. If you do this, you know, make sure you, there's nothing out there that exists first. Once you do that vetting process, then you need to realize what your starting goal is and your end goal is. Uh, you're going to face many obstacles. Uh, there's going to be a lot of bumps on the road, and you need to determine if you're willing to continue and follow through to the very end. If the answer is yes, then you start the process. If the answer is no, then that's where it ends. Um, it's not easy. It's very difficult. And it, you need to be uh, truth, true to yourself in order to continue. So that's the process that I would begin with. Once you want to continue with your patent process, then uh, speak to others, um, you know, of your idea, make sure you do get a NDA uh, involved. Um, if you're working by yourself, then you need to look at uh, the ways to the, the legality of it. Um, if you're working with others, if you're working with a university, you know, you need to be well aware of what you're going to, if you're going to have to share your patent with somebody else, the percentage, um, if, you know, if that's going to be feasible for yourself and, um, there's so many ways that you could go about it and uh, you just have to pick the right choice on that. And then once you get past that point, then that's when you, um, you know, draw up your conclusions, you do a proof of concept, make sure that you have uh, the audience, you have the customers and you have a way for reimbursement 
on your device uh, if it is a medical device because at the end of the day it's gonna come down to how well you're gonna you know make money in order to continue to sustain yourself and uh, there's one piece of advice that I tell everyone I meet is that you know if persevere don't let one thing stop you and you need to find creative ways to go around it and and overcome and uh if if there's a way of doing things you'll find it it's just gonna take time so you got your patent and you started a company can you talk a little bit about what it's been like now that you have this company, you have this patent, and where your products are at? Sure. I uh, began my company in December of 2017, and it was due to assistance from a local uh, innovation program, the Medical Center of the Americas here in El Paso. I entered the competition, I won some seed money and free dry lab space. They also offer business classes, which were well needed. I, I didn't know much, I didn't know anything about business. And they brought in guest speakers, CPAs, lawyers, uh, patent attorneys, and it, it built a good foundation and it led me into you know, opening up my, my business. Now, at first, with the diabetic remote monitoring system, it was going fairly well. We were getting into, we had finished the patent. We were doing the prototyping. Uh, you know, we did get as far as possible with the drying and the automatic sensors uh, turning on and everything that you need to do to transcribe the images to selective uh, emails that you want to send it to. The next step after that would have been uh, turnkey manufacturing, where they would actually work on the front and back end of your product, do the blueprints, uh, produce a few prototypes for you, and and then from there on continue with with the research uh, and FDA uh, route. Well, at that point we hit a we hit a wall. It, the amount of investment was very significant uh, to the point where we would, you know, cause a rift in our personal uh, finances. So at that point, uh, we pivoted to two other ideas that that I had, and you you may want to call these the low hanging fruit ideas. And the first one was uh, intravenous and ventilator tube holder. And the problem with the ICU setting is that the IV lines are are everywhere. They're spaghetti lines. They're close to the floor. They're dangling. They're wedged in between the, the mattress and the side rail. And the ventilator tubes, they do have a bracket that's non-mobile. So every time the head of the bed goes up and down, uh, the, the tube gets pulled and then it disengages or it causes a gag reflex for, gag reflex for the intubated patient. So I designed a device that would actually adhere to the any part of the site rail you wish to have it uh, slide in the IV lines and the ventilator tube and organize and hold them. So this does uh, two things. It keeps it in organized and in nurses view. And nurses are meticulously you know, organized. We're very, very organized people. And this works very well with, with uh, 
with our, you know, our character. Well, we had that manufactured. We filled some orders. And in that process, we also found out that during the COVID crisis, it also helped guide the IV uh, lines outside the patient's room. If the nurses are running the IV pumps outside the, the COVID rooms, this keeps it away from the floor organized and the nurses are able to manipulate the IV pumps outside, changing the antibiotics, changing the vasopressors outside. And we found out that this also helped reduce the PPE usage, PPE usage, and also uh, staff exposure. So there's a hospital in uh, in Texas that utilizes our our products. And with that being said, you know, with the COVID putting such a budget constraint with all the hospital settings, uh, we we saw a slowdown on on those sales due to the fact that they're gearing more into the PPE and the staff a lot of staff burnout there's a lot of uh, overtime and that's what hospitals are doing right now they're concentrating on that and hopefully once there's less of a budget constraint then we'll be able to continue with those sales and now the other product that we're working on is the CPAP host holder and it actually came out out of a version of the eyeline when we, we did uh, multiple versions. We did uh, quite a bit of extensive 3D printing. And th that's the cool part about 3D printing. You could 3D print, you could test it, you could change it, you could go back and back and forth. And we did over 60 uh, changes to the 3D print for the eyeline. And in one of those versions, we, um, my, my COO, Rob Sanchez and I, you know, we know the space, we knew the, the, the CPAP space, and we started thinking this would be a great device for the CPAP, but at home use. And that's where we brought that other product uh, into life. And we did product uh, questionnaires with actual patients utilizing the CPAP machines. Uh, we gathered their information, we changed the, the CPAP uh, design, uh, to meet their general needs, and we 3D printed it, and now we're to the point where we're in close to manufacturing it and uh, assembly, and we should have that product out in the market by the middle of, of next month, February of 2021. That's really exciting. I love talking to you and listening to your story because it's filled with ups and downs, right? Like you have this great idea for the diabetic foot ulcer device, but you know, it's not feasible financially. And so you pivot to this other, um, like you describe it, low hanging fruit. And then because of COVID that sort of knocks that out of contention. And then you move on to this other, um, idea. And I think that really highlights what it takes to be an innovator and entrepreneur, especially during a pandemic. But I'm curious to, to get your take on what you think it's like being in this field that you're in now. And, you know, if you would encourage other nurses to jump in. It's a beautiful field. I, the nursing profession is very rewarding um, and 
if I can, I'll, I'll plan to stay until I retire uh, in the nursing profession. Uh, now, with encouraging other nurses to to innovate, it, it has to be a labor of love. First of all, uh, you need to look at the end user, not really at the monetary gains that you're going to see, um, and you need to be cost responsible and also be aware that this is going to be applied to the masses because your product that you're going to invent has to help the, the people that are underserved that are neglected uh, ill those those are the people that we need to work with now innovating for myself i do have an advantage over others i feel i do have an advantage due to the fact that I still continue working a full-time job and I'm doing this on the side and that's where family support comes in. But I don't have the, the stress that I have to make a paycheck in order to continue living. Uh, therefore, I don't make uh, rash decisions on my company, on my patents, on my devices. Um, I'm able to sustain myself and continue. And that's something I, I do recommend to all the nurses that are wanting to innovate. You know, don't put yourself in a financial strain where you're not going to be able to continue with your, your idea. You have to find that, that path. And coordinating that with your spouse, your significant other, it, it's extremely important. And you need to make a, a plan before you, you continue. I'm really glad you brought up the family support because I know your family has been a big part of the work that you're doing. So, you know, you could take the time now to give a shout out to whomever you would like in your family who has supported you along the way. Oh, it's, it's one person comes into mind and she's my wife and Yvonne. She's been there since the beginning. Uh, my crazy ideas, I call them, and my wild dreams. And the, the very first one, the diabetic uh, remote monitoring system, it was to the point where I needed to make that in, initial investment with uh, Invention Home. So I asked her, I explained everything, and, and I gave her the finances. And, you know, she she's a trooper without hesitancy. She's like, you know, let's do this. Yeah, go for it. And that support uh, not only com comes in emotional and loving support, but it also comes in with uh, redirecting our family in order to help me continue with my path. Uh, so we we did quite a bit of uh, uh, sacrifices and struggles. Uh, our family vacations were mixed with my pitch competitions away from El Paso. Uh, you know the. The days that I gave up uh, to go to business classes uh, were taken away from my family time. And, you know, my wife did do uh, such a wonderful job with that. Um, and she's instrumental to my success. I would have to say that I wouldn't be able to do this without her. And the children, my, my kids are, are wonderful and they were well taken care of. Um, I never heard one time my kids complain about me being away. Um, and I, I thank my wife for that. Well, Ernesto, it is always a pleasure talking with you. Is there anything else you would like to say before we wrap up? 
Uh, yeah, for all those maker nurses out there, you know, um, I understand if you are a little afraid to continue with your project. It's we are taught from the beginning not to deviate from you know, off-label uses on supplies, on equipment, on procedures, on treatments, and and they're right. You know, we cannot deviate from that. But that is not to say that we cannot innovate in areas that we do see a healthcare gap that needs to be addressed. But we need to do it in a responsible way and do your due diligence. And saying that, you have to bring your idea to light, first of all, and share that uh, information with others. Gather information, do some proof of concept, maybe some prototyping. Um, see how well it's going to work and how well it's going to be effective without compromising the safety of your patient. If you have all the green lights in all those areas, then continue because the engineer does ex excellent work with the specifics, but the ideas come from nurses. We nurses are the ones that are touching the patients. We're the discipline that are nursing the patients. We see what works, what doesn't work, and we shouldn't be afraid to speak up for the patient's sakes and for the evolution of our, uh, our nursing profession. So I do encourage you nurses not to give up and, and persevere with your idea. Um, one more thing I just want to say, if folks want to check out your company, um, where where can they find you? Uh, people that are interested in learning more about the the IV and ventilator tube tube holder and the CPAP hose holder, they could visit my company at otenmedical.com. Great, and we'll make sure to link that on our website as well. Thank you, Maria. Hello, Angela. Hello, Marion. How are you? I'm fabulous. I just had such a fun conversation with Ernesto, who I've known for a couple of years now because we featured him as one of our case study nurse innovators in our Design Thinking for Health platform, which for those who don't know, is a free online open access platform that teaches about nursing innovation and design thinking. Yeah, his story was so fascinating about how he got into nursing through the army, via the army band who knew that was a thing right? and that I know. Right. And then, so um, cool. you know, seeing all of these patients come in, you know, constantly having complications with wounds and, you know, starting to develop a system to help people take care of their wounds at home when they're not able to otherwise. Yeah. I mean, his persistence over the years. So I've had, two startup companies. Um, neither were very successful, but I learned a lot, especially how much time, energy, and resources it takes to create, and like I said, not even successful, to create a startup. I can't even imagine what it must take to create a successful startup. And so, you know, his persistence and his ability to pivot and look for other opportunities, I just find um, really amazing. Yes. And I, I think that it's fantastic too, that he's finding really practical solutions for in the moment things that 
you know, are helping, you know, ICU nurses with, you know, ventilator tubing and, um, you know, on his, saw on his website, he, they're looking at, um, CPAP hoses, like a carrier for CPAP hoses. Like this is just, it's, it's like quality of life, common sense, really, really helpful stuff. Right. And that's why nurses should be doing these things, why they should be taking their ideas and making them an actual product or process. It's why they should be at the table for all these innovation meetings that health systems have. And it's why they should be taking their ideas and starting companies. Nurses are at the bedside. They see these practical needs that patients and health systems have. And it's really important for nurses to know. And Ernesto is a great example of this, that even if you don't think you have the background or experience to do these things, you actually can and should be. Amplify Nursing is hosted by Dr. Angela Rosa Donato and Marion Leary and produced by the University of Pennsylvania School of Nursing, with special thanks to our Department of Information Technology Services for their assistance. Music for the podcast was created by Harper Leary. The podcast is made possible by the Krista and Rich Panola Fund for Innovation in Nursing. Follow us on Twitter at Penn Nursing. Until next time, keep pushing over, under, around, and through. We want to thank you for listening to the Amplify Nursing Podcast and remind you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy your podcast listening. And if you can, please do us a solid and rate and review us as well. It will go a long way in amplifying our episodes.